We're very glad that you're joining us this morning. My name is Julie Coleman, and I'm one of a four-member teaching team that has the pulpit ministry at New Hope Chapel. We're really glad that you're here, and we hope that uh, you'll enjoy your time with us. Um, in a recent retreat that Melanie and I went to uh, back in March, there was a very interesting question, an uh, icebreaker that they gave us, and they asked this, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, I thought immediately, of course, of Superman, the superpower of superpowers, dashing off to a secluded place so he can rip off his everyday clothes and expose his cape and his tights so he'd be ready to go faster than a, feeding, a speeding bullet and stop a speeding locomotive, that he could search out criminals with his x-ray vision, all of those things. <laughs> well, today I'm going to tell you about another superpower that we can all have. And it's going to help you soar through these dark days that we're all experiencing of death and despair. And it will cure you of the helpless feeling that things are spinning out of control. It's available to every believer in Jesus Christ. What is it? Well, Jesus talked about it to his disciples, and he said this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness. Now, probably not quite what you were expecting to hear. And I'm betting the disciples were just as surprised as you are. But I can promise you right now, if you choose to wear that cape of meekness, you will be transformed by its superhero nature. So what exactly is meekness, you might be asking, according to the Bible? Well, let me first tell you what it's not. Meekness is not weakness. The Bible called Moses the meekest man that had ever walked the earth. Now, I don't think I would call Moses weak, would you? Think about him bravely leading the Israelites out of the desert, out of Egypt into the desert, walking through the Red Sea, all of the things that happened. And then when he brought the, the commands from God down from the mountain of Sinai, what happened? That he found them worshiping idols, and what did he do? He took gold, the gold from the idol, and he ground it up, and he, made, and he put it in the water and made the Israelites drink it. This was a powerful man. Moses was no weakling. Well, what else about meekness is not? Well, meekness is not a personality type. You know, those personality tests, they can tell us a lot about ourselves and the people that we deal with. But any personality can wear the quality of meekness. Now, I'll tell you a little secret. I was one of those kids in grade school that the teachers wrote on their progress reports, Julie has a lot of leadership potential. Now, I found out later as a teacher that that was code for Julie is very bossy. And the people that in uh, nursery school that taught me were a little bit more frank. Julie needs to stop kicking and biting others. So even someone like Julie, Julie the, the, the brave and the scary, could become meek. It's not a personality type. Meekness is not indecisiveness or indifference, like always letting someone else choose the restaurant that you're going to or what movie you're going to watch. Meekness is not letting everyone else have their own way. It's not being a doormat. So then, what is meekness? Well, the word from the Greek is praeus. And according to my Greek lexicon, it means to not be overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. It gets translated as gentle, 
humble, considerate, or meek. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament anyway, it's, a, it's there surprisingly few times. I counted 15. hope that's accurate. But the important thing that we need to know is that Jesus identified himself as meek in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and humble of heart. Jesus lived meekness throughout his life. So, in order to understand meekness, we're going to look to our example of Jesus this morning to find out what meekness really looks like. We'll flesh it out. So, first of all, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us this about Jesus. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the first thing we see about Jesus as meek is that meekness is living in obedience to God. Obedience. You know, Jesus, he's one part of a triune God. His very nature was one of power and strength. He created the world according to Colossians. He said, they say this, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is power. That's great power, the same power that the Father and the Holy Spirit have. But in order to complete his mission on earth, he left all of that power behind. He came to redeem humankind from the slavery and condemnation of sin. And so he depended then on the Father and the Spirit for his strength. It was a temporary condition, though. Um, He received that power and glory again when he went back up to heaven But while he was on earth, he lived in complete obedience to the Father. And if you don't believe me, think about what Satan was trying to do. Satan, after 40 days of Jesus fasting in the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus in his weakness. And everything he asked Jesus to do would require Jesus to step out from the obedience that he was determined to do. And Satan was trying to get him to move out of God's will. Peter tells us that Jesus committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to one who judges righteously. When we obey God, we're putting ourselves in his hands. He trusted himself. We're trusting that all God's dealings with us are good. And we obey without disputing or resisting. We're choosing to rely on him rather than our own strength. The meek person is not occupied with self at all. Like Jesus exemplified to us, they are consumed with obedience to God. And that obedience really is an act of trust. Well, another way that Jesus was an example to us in meekness, Luke wrote about him after the incident where he Uh, had left his family and gone into the temple and were talking with the elders there. And 
He was 12 years old, and, and Mary and Joseph found him. And then Luke tells us this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And this is the verse I really want you to hear. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So the second point I want to talk about with meekness is being teachable. Even Jesus had a teachable heart. He learned from his parents and he learned from his heavenly father. Being teachable is a simple matter of ready to be corrected, helped, or informed. A meek person is ready to lay down their own notions of how things should go and remains ready to be shown. Now, this is one that I have a hard time with. Teachability is a tough thing, especially when you think you know it all. But this week I had a little incident which kind of made me laugh because the Lord tends to bring those things along when you're getting ready to speak on a topic. <laughs> but anyway, I was uh, reading through a professional journal, and it was a thing called the Priscilla Papers, an academic journal, and there was an article in there <clears throat> about Martha and Mary. Now, I know about Martha and Mary. I've studied it more than many things. Um, I wrote a book on all the women in Jesus, and one chapter is Martha and Mary, and I certainly thought I had it all figured out. And so when I saw the title of the article, I kind of rolled my eyes. I was alone. Nobody saw me, but <laughs> I guess the Lord did. But I thought, oh, I, I know this already, and they'll get it wrong. I hate when they get it wrong. And so, but anyway, I was a little curious what this particular magazine would have to say. So I went ahead and, and read the article. Well, uh, you know how God's word is. He always brings something to us that we hadn't known before when we sit down and look at it, something new. And you know those authors that had written that article? It had happened for them. They went in an entirely different direction than what I had gone in in my book. Not wrong, just different. And added another rich layer of meaning to that story for me. And to think that I might have missed that because of pride, thinking I knew it already. I had to laugh because I'd been studying meekness to prepare for this message, and God had to hit me over the head with that in order to get another facet of meekness. So being teachable means that I'm going to lay down my certainty of being right. I don't think I'm alone in this folly, and I see it all the time on Facebook. Meekness does not what characterizes our society. That's the way of the world, what they do. All the anger and the hatred and the judgment so freely expressed on social media, even for other Christians, and, and in their written articles, it's pretty much about being right, having that last word. Everyone thinks they're right, and anyone who disagrees with them are evil. There's no room for interaction in the discussion. No one's intent on listening, and so we don't learn from each other. Being teachable means laying down my certainty of being right. And if we don't do that, if we're not ready to listen to each other, what that means is we're going to walk around ignorant of what we could be learning. We stunt our own growth when we're all self-assertive and all about self-interest. Think how different our lives would be if we and everyone else around us were committed to meekness. Now, mind you, meekness is not embarrassment about finding out that you've been wrong. Meekness reveals itself when we're in the right and we have the power 
to hurt someone who is wrong. Psalm 25 tells us he leads the meek in justice and he teaches the humble his way. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to please God with your attitude? Then keep a heart that's teachable. And the last facet of meekness that I saw in Jesus' life, and I'm sure there are many more, but I only have 20 minutes. <laughs> so the last point is that meekness has a perspective of seeing the hard things and difficult people in our lives as opportunities for growth. When we have been hurt or insulted, our human tendency is to react in self-defense or accuse God of being unfair or not caring. You know, Jesus met a lot of hard people in his lifetime on earth. But I think one of the hardest for him at all, of all was the disciple Judas. Now, Judas was one of those really hyper-political guys. He was a zealot, and he was impatient. He was waiting for God to rescue, uh, through his Messiah, rescue his nation from the oppression of the Roman Empire. He followed Jesus right away, figuring out that he's, he's going to be the Messiah. But as time went on, as Jesus revealed what the kingdom of God actually looks like, he started to get hard. His refusal to change his ideas and his views led to a hardened heart. He was all about himself and what he wanted. John tells us that he even pilfered money from the group uh, box, the money box, which rightfully belonged to all of them. Now Jesus knew. Jesus knew he would betray him. He would lead the chief priests and their guards to the place he knew that Jesus would be. He'd already made a deal with them and was paid handsomely for his betrayal. And from John, we learn this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, got up from supper and laid aside his garment, and taking a towel, he girded himself and began to wash the disciples' feet. All twelve disciples, including Judas. Jesus ate that last meal with Judas, fully aware of what was going to happen. Sharing a meal with someone back then was an act of intimacy, but Jesus accepted the evil actions of Judas as from God, as God was orchestrating the necessary events which would lead him to the cross. We all have people in our lives that are as abrasive as sandpaper or even wound us. And we experience injustice, too, when we're unfairly accused or terribly misunderstood. Now, mind you, I'm not talking about an abusive situation in which there is danger. But when we are hurt, meekness has a perspective that does not allow for bitterness. The meek understand that God is permitting the injuries that they inflict on his own. They trust that he'll use those hard things to purify them like a refiner's fire and transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Those difficult people, they're not formidable enemies. They're tools in God's hands. As he, the potter, forms us into vessels that will display his glory. So three points of meekness. So how do we be meek? How can we do it? Well, there's a few things that I thought about that might be a red flag to alert you to the need for more meekness in your life. 
So first we learn from Jesus that meekness is living in obedience to God. One thing that's really important to God is how we treat each other. So let me ask you, is living in unity with believers a priority? For me, his will is for for us to love regardless of disagreement. So if you delight in taking sides over an issue, becoming divisive in the body, that is not obedience to what God would have us to do. Neither is judging someone who's struggling with sin. We're told that you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, bear one another's burdens, and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. So if you struggle to live in unity with other believers, you might want to take another look at meekness. The next thing we saw in Jesus was meekness is keeping a teachable heart. So let me ask you, what is my attitude toward the word of God? Am I open to what it can teach me, or do I approach it with an agenda to prove? Or do I use God's word like a weapon against others, failing to apply its truth to my own life? Psalm tells us, Psalm 119, from your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So it's, it's how we live, not open to what it has to say to us, that we can tell that we are meek. And finally, Meek sees the hard things in people in our lives as opportunity for growth. So ask yourself, what is my attitude toward the difficulties in life? Do I get angry, fret over them, and fight back? Or do I trust in the Lord and in his power to use it for his glory? Because if we fight against everything that goes against what we want, we're not being meek. In Jeremiah, the Lord says, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. Rather than growing bitter in anger, meekness keeps a receptive heart. When we live in submission to God, we're soft, we're moldable, and God can gently form and shape us with those hard things, and the result will be worth it in the end. Now, what I'm talking about here is not easy. Believe me, I had no trouble coming up with those red flags because I have a lot of glaring deficiencies about meekness in me. But here's the thing. Meekness is not something that we come up with anyway. Meekness is a fruit of being yielded to the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22 and 3, you'll see that. It happens when we pray, not my will but yours, Lord. It happens when we read his word and struggle to grasp what it means. It does not come from a vow to do better. It's submission to the spirit, and that results in meekness. It's God's work in us, and the reward is great. Turning it all over to him, putting ourselves in his hand, and Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. In closing, I want to tell you one scripture in Ephesians. It's in chapter 4, and this is what Paul writes to them. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you had been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now that word worthy, walk worthy, is the word axios, and it depicts scales of justice, where you have two plates and one could not, had to be in balance with the other. So what does that mean for us then? 
Well, we want to live in a way that corresponds with what we have been given already. Because Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. When we keep our focus on the cross, what Jesus did for us, paying our debt, a debt we could never have paid ourselves, we're ready to put ourselves aside and respond in the way that matches his sacrifice. The answer is not to make a vow, but to keep our eyes on him. Remember who he is and what he's doing in our lives. Then meekness becomes the obvious and only option. Is it worth it in the end? You bet it is. If you were looking for a superpower, this is it. Because in our weakness, when we give it all to the Father and trust him with it, then we are strong. The greatest power is available to us in surrendering to him. And you will find rest for your souls. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, it's a hard concept for us to grasp here in the United States where self-assertion and pride and confidence are things that are highly valued. But Lord, we see Jesus, who in the face of all that the world had to say, lived a meek life. He entrusted himself to you when he was unjustly accused, when he was frustrated with people around him or circumstances, he always entrusted himself to you. And Lord, may we take that away today. May we, may we make meekness, that giving ourselves over, surrendering it all to you, something that we do almost unconsciously because we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for the cross, for the ultimate example of meekness where Jesus put anything aside and prayed, not my will, but yours be done, which led him to die an agonizing death. Thank you too, God, for the resurrection, because you make all things beautiful, and whatever we give up, you will multiply and give back to us in blessing. So I just pray for everyone who's listening this week and just ask God that you would help us with this and, and help us to take it to our hearts and transform us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.